The following is a production of Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. We're the Philadelphia fans. Another edition of 83 to Infinity. Best Sixers podcast in the business. Why? Because I said it is. A lot of news. A lot of news. As you woke up Saturday morning, you woke up to the news in the NBA that Kawhi Leonard has made his decision. Didn't pull a Bryce Harper and Leach and, and drag you out the whole entire offseason. Here we are almost a week into free agency. Kawhi Leonard has made his decision and his decision is he is going to the L.A. Clippers. Not only is he going to the L.A. Clippers, but the Clippers pulled off a shocking trade. Nobody saw this coming, but the Clippers send a boatload of draft picks and a couple of young pieces to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Paul George. How does this affect the Sixers? Well, let's talk about it. Let me bring in my guest, my co-host from Offense, Defense, and Discourse, which you can hear on Lance J Radio every Friday, my man, Mike Jones. Mike, what's good, family? Oh, man, what's going on, man? I feel good today. You feel good today. All right. Do you feel good about how this – do you feel good about this whole Kawhi Leonard situation? All right. Honestly, here's why I feel good. Okay. You've known me for a little while, right? Yes. And the reason I feel good, this is something you should know about me mm-hmm. by now. I like to be proven right. Okay. And that's all that was. I was actually proven right. And then a minute later, I was proven right again. How so s- I just like to be able to look at the world and say, I told you so. I was proven right the first time. <laughs> so how... Because, well, uh, uh, all the reports were coming mm-hmm. out saying that things were looking like Kawhi to L.A. Mm-hmm. But when I say L.A., I mean the Lakers. The big three with LeBron and A.D., mm-hmm. Zach super team. This is what all the reports were saying. Yeah. And early reports kind of said the Clippers were out of it. Yeah, there were, a couple, there were a couple of reports saying, like, Kawhi had completely written off the Clippers. He's like, you know what, not the Clippers. If I'm going to L.A., it's going to be to the Lakers. I remember that, yes. Mm-hmm. And... I always kind of held the opposite perspective. I thought it the only landing spot out west for Kawhi that seemed logical was the Clippers. Mm-hmm. So now that and, so 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 now that this this deal is done, like mm-hmm. because you you were right. How does this? I was right. How does this shape? How does this reshape the East? Because a lot of there are a lot of people saying, and we'll get into how this came about, but there are a lot of people saying that the team to beat is your team, your town, your 76ers. Oh, now, absolutely in the East. So the so now you you, you you agree with that notion. You agree with that sentiment that the Philadelphia 76ers are now the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. Absolutely. Well, Toronto, the defending NBA and, of course, obviously then the Eastern Conference champion, they clearly have taken a step back. Yes. Their best player is now Kyle Lowry, mm-hmm. who is a year older. A year older he, and, and he kind of fit into that role of uh one time you know, one time superstar now assuming the role player second play- third option. Yeah, the there. second third option slash role player role. And now he's, you know, without Kawhi, Kyle Lowry's now shifted back into that, uh, back into that role of star player, which I, I don't know if that works. Yeah, the Raptors' quote unquote big three now is Ibaka, Siakam, and Lowry. Yeah, Siakam's That's a good player. Yeah, yeah, not going to get it done. So now that now that 
uh, now that Toronto has taken that step back, we agree. Toronto yep. has taken a step back, and Milwaukee has taken a slight okay. step back too, getting rid of Brogdon. I was, I was about to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. I took the words out of my mouth. I think Milwaukee took a slight step back as well. So, and honestly, I think, in my opinion, the Sixers, especially on the defensive end, are a better team than they were last year. So, flat out, you know, because all we all we have is paper. All we have right now is paper. So you, I want you to take a look at the Sixers' starting lineup last season versus what should be their starting lineup going into this season. Do you feel like the Sixers have a better lineup, a better starting lineup, their better starting five? We're talking Joel. We're talking Joel. We're talking Al. We're talking. Uh, let's see. Uh, at the three, we're talking Tobias, Josh Richardson, and Ben. Are you saying that five is now better than Ben, JJ, Jimmy, Tobias, and uh, and Joel? Oh, I'll say it this way. Mm-hmm. I believe that if last year's starting five were to be matched up in a game against this year's starting five, mm-hmm. last year's starting five would have more difficulty to score on this year's team than this year's team would have scoring on last year's team. Really? Last year's last year's starting five, other than Joel and B, as a unit, was defensively challenged. I think those issues have been solved. Offensively, you were running a lot of those dribble handoffs and off-ball screens for J.J. Reddick to create space because you had a guy who literally had no business putting the ball on the floor on offense at your two guard. You're talking about, you're talking J.J. Reddick. Yeah. You heard me say last Hmm. year and towards the beginning of this offseason, J.J. Reddick specifically was the one player I would have liked to see that position upgraded. Okay. Especially on the defensive end. So, I, be- I believe with the players, it's another year of development. The Sixers should actually be a better functioning unit than they were last year. I know not everybody's going to see it that way. A lot mm-hmm. of people are looking and thinking, old school ball, old school ball, this isn't going to work. I think it's absolutely going to work. So let's take a look at let's let's take a look at the moves that the Sixers actually made. You know, I think one you have to start at what's coming back. They re-signed Tobias Harris, giving him a max deal. Tobias Harris stays. Tobias Harris now moves to his natural position, which is the three, which is the small for the small forward position. The reason why he has moved to the small forward position is because the Sixers then lose Jimmy Butler because they trade Jimmy Butler to Miami. They lose Jimmy Butler to Miami. And then, but they gain Josh Richardson. We've, like we said, we've also lost J.J. Redick. We lost T.J. McConnell. But we've extended Ben Simmons and we extended Shake Milton. Mm-hmm. So now Tobias Harris is our new three. Which is Tobias Harris's natural position. His natural position. Let's not discount that either. Tobias Harris also moves to the three because they have a new starting four, a new starting power forward, which is Al Horford, who they have now taken from the uh, the Boston Celtics. A positive that we can draw from is the fact that we now have two skilled players at your front court positions. Because talking, because I think. You know, we've seen this in the past. And Sixers fans, you know, we know what it's like. We've seen we've seen this play out when you have two unskilled big men up front. We saw this with Ja Okafor and Nerlens Noel. Mm-hmm. Two big two bigs who couldn't play with one another. You know, you you were sitting here trying to wonder how Ja and how Nerlens could play together. And then you realize that not only could those two not play with one another, but when you put when you insert Joel Embiid, who actually was a skilled big man, 
Neither of them could play with him. Well, so you play said, with him as well. Yeah, they couldn't play. They couldn't play with each other, and they couldn't play with Joel, who actually had some skill. And then the Sixers were forced to get rid of both Ja and Nerlings and try and bring in a real power forward. You know, what did what did they end up doing? What ended up working with them at the four? With Joel and B. It wasn't Nerlens, it wasn't Ja. But what worked? Dario Sarge worked. Dario Sarge was a threat to shoot the jump shot. Exactly. He wasn't a pure shooter. But he, he shot it well enough. He shot it well enough that you had to respect his jumper. Exactly. He shot and it now well. With mm-hmm. And now with Horford and Embiid, they both shoot it well enough to create space for the other. Yes. Yes. So now you have now you have a skilled back. You have a skilled front court with a young Joel Embiid, a crafty veteran in Al Horford, and you got Tobias Harris, who's now moving back to his natural position, who will now get a, he'll get more shots now that Jimmy's gone. Now that Jimmy's going, now that JJ's going, because I feel like one thing, Tobias Harris got a bad rap towards the end of the end of last season. Because people brought, we brought in Tobias Harris, we knew he was a 20-plus point scorer in, uh, in Los Angeles, and he wasn't necessarily that player once he got here. I think mm-hmm. he showed that he could put up big numbers when you needed him to, but it wasn't every night. So I think people saw that he wasn't scoring that type of – he wasn't putting up those types of numbers every night, and they started to believe that he couldn't put up those types of numbers every night. But the fact the fact of the matter is part of the reason why Tobias Harris was putting up those types of numbers in L.A. was because he was their number one option. And in Philly, he became essentially the fourth or fifth option on the floor. Exactly. Office. Exactly, and it's not realistic to think that your first your first option, which is Joel Embiid, who's scoring 27 points a night, your second option, which is Jimmy Butler, who's putting up 22 points a night, your third option, which is J.J. Redick, who's putting up 18 points a night, your fourth option, which is Ben Simmons, who's putting up 16 points a night, and then, you're, uh, then you would think Tobias Harris is then going to put up 22 points as well? I mean, that's... That sounds like somebody who doesn't—he doesn't know and really understand yeah. how basketball works. Yeah, no, I mean that exactly, exactly. That's just not realistic. But now you sit here, you look at you look at this team. You know, you, you look at this team and you look at the moves that they made. Now you bring in Josh Richardson. What and? And we'll talk a little bit more. We'll get we'll get into what we lost in a second. But now that you look at Josh Richardson, were you in, were you encouraged by that being the return in the Jimmy Butler deal? We lost Jimmy Butler. I I liked Jimmy Butler being here. I was a fan of the Jimmy Butler move. I was a fan of Jimmy Butler when he was here. I was disappointed when he lost when we lost him. But now that you know, now that we see the return, the return is Josh Richardson. What did you think of that? I like I like Jimmy Butler. I wanted Jimmy Butler here. Yes. But Josh Richardson defensively is is above adequate. He's a very good NBA defender. Mm-hmm. He's a slightly above average shooter. He's streaky. He's not like he's a pure jump shooter like the, that Reddick was. But Reddick was streaky too. And let's be honest. You got nervous every time Reddick put the ball on the floor. Whereas Josh Richardson, he's not Chris Paul or Kyrie Irving with the handle, but he could put the ball on the floor and without turning it over. Mm-hmm. The off, I think the off, and he's also a young player who in Miami was probably asked to carry a share of the load offensively that was a little bit greater than his talent, mm-hmm. whereas in Philly, he should be getting a lot easier looks and be able to play in a team concept where everyone's able to flourish. I could easily see this unit having five guys averaging 16-plus this year, not necessarily anyone averaging close to 30. Now, I think last last year – 
people were enamored by how many points that starting lineup put up. I think they were putting up maybe close, and this is without the actual stat sheet in front of me. They were scoring about 117 to 120 points a game. Do you see them coming close to that? Uh, I missed you, John. Say that again. I said the qu- the question was basically that the uh, last year's team put up a lot of points. I think they were scoring about one seventeen to one twenty points a game. Do you see this team scoring points like that? No, but I don't see this team trying to score points like that. This mm-hmm. team will have an advantage over most by controlling the pace. Teams aren't going to be able to rebound with them. A lot of teams will be limit- limited to one-shot possessions. Think about trying to rebound when you have MB, Horford, Simmons, who's a good rebounder, Harris, who's a solid rebounder, and Richardson, who's a good rebounding guard on the court at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know a team in the league who can out-rebound them based on construction, at least as it looks on paper. I can't think of a team in the league who could do that. No, not at all. Now, like I, t- like I said before, as we record this show, as we record this podcast, we are on Facebook Live. And remember, you guys can always follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Philly Go Flow. So if you're watching, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Twitter, if you're on Instagram, hit us up at, at BITW Sports. BITW Sports. Shout out to my man Rob. Rob said the Sixers still, he thinks the Sixers still need to add a shooter and a guy who can create his own shot. Now, one of the people that they could trust to shoot their own shot was Jimmy Butler. Do you feel like do you feel like Josh Richardson is that something he could do? Do you trust Josh Richardson to create his own shot? And what about Tobias Harris? Because as much as they shifted down the line last season to having Jimmy Butler bring the ball up and run the offense. They also let Tobias Harris do it a little bit too. Do you think do you are you comfortable with the two of them filling that role moving forward? Excuse me. I am comfortable for now. For now, I am comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But I also think you're in a situation with combination of assets that you have, should it not be working mm-hmm. by the midway point in the season? You have enough assets and combinations of players, Smith, Bible, Richardson, possibly even a Milton, and draft picks, especially that unprotected Miami 2021 pick, mm-hmm. that you could make a move for something else if it, if it just looks like it's not working. You're not hamstrung. Mm-hmm. But for now, I, but for now, I do like it. I do think it can be adequate, if not better. Mm-hmm. I think the floor is adequate. Now, the ceiling mm-hmm. is potentially very good. When we last talked, uh, last time we talked Sixers, last time the two of us talked Sixers, it was right after the draft. And Elton Brand basically mm-hmm. said that you could not judge what they did in the draft immediately. You had to wait to see what they did in free agency. Free agency has started. They have made a, bu- they have made a bunch of moves. Does, does the direction of this team make sense now? Do you feel like where he's going, does that make more sense, what Elton Brand said coming right, off, uh, coming right out of the draft? It absolutely makes sense. And believe it or not, I think this is one part that is kind of underappreciated. The big loss for the Sixers this year was Jimmy Butler, and and admittedly that's a loss. Mm -hmm. However, Matisse Seibel is essentially – a young version of what Jimmy Butler was coming into the league. A defensive-minded player who has college experience, good effort, good intensity, decent size to play the wing, needs to work to improve his offensive game, specifically the jump shot, but the potential, the shooting stroke is there. Mm-hmm. So if Seibel is able to develop and all sides point to he should be able to, in the long run, for this season, for the short term, 
you're you're losing out. But over the long run, over the next two, three years, as Jimmy Butler is about to be 30 and about to be entering the, the well, not still in his, the latter part of his prime, but he's got maybe two, three years of that left his prime, and then mm-hmm. he'll be in the decline. In two, three years, Seibel will just be hitting his prime and be able to run for another five, six years into the future with Simmons and Embiid. And even a Tobias Harris, he's only 26 right now, should have a good six to seven years left in him before he looks to not be the same player anymore. So the Sixers are in a good, good position right now and in a good, good position going forward. So let's talk real quick. So, so let's shift because we both agree and we both know that the six, the Sixers look so far look to be going in a good place. I'm not. I'm not necessarily sure. I'm not necessarily sure if I am ready to christen them yet, because a lot of people are putting putting that pressure on them. A lot of people are talking about this is the team to beat. I'm not sure if I'm there yet. But you know me. Y'all know me. I am not a professional analyst or whatever. I'm a dude with a microphone and a podcast and a webcam who just likes to share his opinion. And every now and then people think I'm funny. However, that being said, I could easily be swayed. I'm sitting here right now and I'm a little skeptical. And I admit that very well, next time I do a show, I could be full on board. Hey, man, we're all in Sixers going to the championship. Let's get this parade going. I understand. I, You know, I, I'm swayed very easily. You know, part of the reason that I am swayed, uh, well, part of the reason I'm skeptical is that I am disappointed with the way things ended with Jimmy Butler. I've talked about it on this show. I've talked about it on other shows. I've made it very clear. I thought Jimmy Butler was going to be back. I had said on I had said on numerous occasions I thought that Jimmy would be back I thought that Tobias would be back I thought you bring back your core and you run it back you sat there and we watched we watched the Sixers lose to the eventual NBA champions off a you know what I thought was an incomparable once in a lifetime shot a great shot it was definitely a great shot and the Sixers were that bounce away from dancing, and mm-hmm. who knows, maybe uh, NBA Finals appearance, mm-hmm. and if all, and if all things stay the same with the injuries, probably an NBA championship. Exactly. Now, of course, you don't you don't know that all that's going to happen today, mm-hmm. so it's just speculation. Yeah, it's a lot of what ifs, you know. But, but they were but they were close. They were close. Now with now with Jimmy Butler leaving, I I thought he would want it to stay. Yeah. With the Sixers being able to offer the most money and Jimmy Butler, his constant insistence while he was in Philadelphia that winning was the most important mm-hmm. thing to him, I did not see him wanting to go to Miami. Miami is not in a situation where I think they are or will be a contender anytime soon. Mm-hmm. He, got a, he got a four-year deal with the Miami Heat. Four-year deal for less than what he could have made here. Now, he said that winning was most important, but then he chooses to go to Miami. Now, I understand that he said originally when he was trying to get out of Minnesota that Miami was one of the places that he would like to go. Mm-hmm. I understand that. So- but how, however, you know, for me, when I was listening to Jimmy, I understand that he, you know, Miami is a place you want to go, and I and, and I understand why. You know, it's Miami. It's you know, mad at yeah, ain't nobody mad at wanting to go to Miami. You know, but I, he, he also just, just but, don't lie to me and tell me it's about winning. Yeah, exactly. So so that's that's where I was kind of go. That's where I was trying to go with this because it's like. I'm sitting here trying to figure out a way that I can be disappointed with the way this ended without truly being angry with Jimmy Butler as a fan because it's like I don't it's like I with everything that he said I don't want to believe that I was lied to. So let me ask you this as a fan 
And I understand. And I ask you this because you're probably one of the most objective, most analytical people that I know. And you have an opinion that I respect. So I'm asking you as a fan, as a Sixers fan, do you feel lied to by Jimmy Butler? No. I mean, I get you have to say the right thing mm-hmm. when you're with a team, especially a team that has the potential to win. Yes. So I think, I'll, or I at least would like to give Butler the benefit of the doubt and think that when he says the most important thing to him was winning, that was the most important thing to him at the time. Now, once the season was over, then he had other things to deal with and his priorities shifted. But at the time, he was focused on trying to win with the Sixers. And his play on the court spoke to that. Now, as far as where he wanted to go long-term, he never came out and said he wanted to stay in Philly long-term. That is true. Philly actually Philly was never on. He gave a list of cities he wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. Philly wasn't on that list. Philly gambled when they got him. And Philly didn't lose him for nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be completely honest. No matter what happens, even if he had left, the one thing that tr- that trade would have done was not let you stop paying Robert Covington $16 Because that was a contract I didn't necessarily think was good for the Sixers in their current position. Mm-hmm. Now, Robert Covington's the final piece to a team that already has everything you need, sure. But when you're counting on Robert, Robert Covington to be a starter and carry you and provide significant minutes on both ends of the court, you're in trouble. So, and plus, when, when you look at the fact that Dario Saras didn't really work out in Minnesota, they've already traded him to Phoenix. So, Dario Saras isn't even in Minnesota anymore. Robert Covington barely played this season due to injury. Mm-hmm. So, given what the Sixers were primed to do right now, you know, we talked about a right now move. They made a right now move in getting Jimmy Butler and put them in a pretty good, you know, third uh, third seed in the East. Matched up well with the number one seed. Lost to the number two seed on four bounces. Four bounces of fate. You know, four mm-hmm. four bounces of fate. So I don't I don't knock the move. It's just I would have rather seen that link lead to a long term commitment to Jimmy Butler. And I use the word commitment not to say like this is like not signing Jimmy Butler long term was a failure on the Sixers part. I don't now, know. let me ask you a question. Okay, go ahead. When you say a long-term commitment to Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. you're saying you want to see the Sixers give him a five-year match. Yes. Yes. And would you would you want him to want to see him actually play that entire five years with the Sixers with a max contract? Honestly, I feel like it's a it's a bridge you cross when you get there. I think you have. Of course, you you know that he's going to be, what, 35, 36 years old at the end of that contract and clearly not who he not who he was or is at the start of that contract. But honestly, that's a chance that you're going to take. Now, but, now I ask, because look at a team like, for example, the Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. Right now, they have Chris Paul on the book at 36 years old, mm-hmm. making about – Forty-two million next year. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, that hamstrings that roster significantly. Mm-hmm. I think, and I, I, I agree. I under, and I, I understand that. But I think at some point in time, you have to figure out who your roster is going to be, who you have, the horses that you have, and put your eggs in that basket. You know, I think, and that, I think the six. And I think the Sixers made that decision and put their eggs in the basket of Embiid, Simmons, and Harris. Okay. No, and, and I, I get that too. I get that too. And it's like, I and I guess if if you want to consider this flip-flopping, so be it. Because it's like, yes, I would have rather seen Jimmy Butler here, 
but I'm not gonna I'm not rejecting Josh Richardson. Like I wanted to see Butler say, mm-hmm. but I said if I gave him the match, it would be the intention with the intentions of trading him in two to three years. Mm-hmm. I, I as mean, much as I like Jimmy Butler and his fit with the Sixers, I did not want it to be a five year commitment. Mm-hmm. The only reason I'd have given him the five year match with the intention to trade, trade him in a couple years, which makes is sense, is because is because I don't think he w- I didn't think he would would have signed for less than the match. No, I understand. So the understood. Sixers, the Sixers simply accelerated the process and made a trade for him early. He didn't walk for nothing. Mm-hmm. And they got a solid young wing player and a lot of cap space back in return. Mm-hmm. Now, you now given what you said about the max, uh, the length of this deal, shout out to my man, Adio Royster, who pointed out that he feels like Tobias Harris's game will age better than Jimmy Butler's games will, will age. So you saw that you gave Tobias Harris the five-year max. Jimmy Butler signed a four-year uh, a four-year deal. Toward now we talked about what the what the Sixers do with Jimmy Butler at the end of that deal. I feel. Do you feel more comfortable with Tobias Harris playing out all five years of this deal more than Jimmy Butler? You talked about signing Jimmy Butler. Uh- Jimmy Butler to a like if we sign Jimmy Butler to a five year deal is with the intention of trading him in two to three years. Are you saying that now that we have Tobias Harris locked up, are you sticking with Tobias? Are you at this point sticking with Tobias for the five years? Absolutely, and that's that's essentially what I was speaking to. Tobias Harris is 25, 26 years old. In mm-hmm. fact. At the end of this contract, he's in the middle of his prime. Your basketball prime usually being 27 to 32. He'll be right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. He should be at peak ability at the end of this deal. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still a young, improving player, whereas Jimmy Butler right now is at the peak of his prime. And four or five years from now, he's on the decline. Mm-hmm. No, I've never seen an NBA player not on the decline at 34, 35 years old. Mm-hmm. I don't care how great. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Every you know you, ha, you know, every player declines when you start to get to that mid thirties to that mid thirty age, thirty four, thirty five, thirty six. Yes, but it, how they decline is you know how they decline is up for debate. How they decline depends on the player because it's like yes, you know what Jordan declined at thirty four, thirty five. He was still the greatest player in the league, but yeah, there was still but a decline. He was not the same as he was at 30, 31. Yeah, it's like you look at you look at Jordan and the player that Jordan was uh, at that, that first comeback. Yeah, Michael Jordan at the end of the second three-peat, mm-hmm. the second championship against Utah, was not the same player he was mm-hmm. in 93 when they beat the Chicago Means, the Phoenix Suns, yeah. Charles Barkley. It was like he was still a great player, yeah. but he wasn't the same player. Yeah, he was still he was still Mike. The the thing about that I remember about Jordan when he made his first comeback at the start of the you know when you look at the first the three and a quarter seasons of his first comeback, you know coming back at the end of the ninety five season to the ninety six ninety seven ninety eight season, like of course it was Jordan. So you're gonna have those Jordan esque games. But Jordan would have a clunker every now and then. Jordan would have a, you know, he he would have a, a, a 36 points on 45, 50, you know, jack up a lot of shots and still put up a lot of points but still jack up a lot of shots. There would be a clunker every now and then. A game that you weren't necessarily used to Michael Jordan having. Now, he was never, he was never garbage. He didn't suck. You know, you could sit there and say, "Hey, well, what game was that?" And you could still see a whole lot of points, but you might see not ne- not necessarily the greatest shooting night. Mm. Well, actually, uh, with Mike, that's somewhat accurate, not completely, because his jump shot became more and more efficient as he aged. Mm-hmm. The biggest place you saw the decline was on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. At one point, Mike in Mike's career, he was a defensive player of the year. Yeah. By the latter points of his career, he defended in stretches. Like he'd save his energy certain points of the game when he needed it. He mm-hmm. could really lock in and focus defensively. But for the large part of 
of the game. Mm-hmm. He was letting Pippen do the heavy lifting defensively. Yeah. yeah. Letting Pippen do the heavy lifting defensively. You also had Rodman on the second, you know, on the second, uh, on the second, the the second uh, three-peat. You had a bigger, you had a bigger starting point guard in Ron Harper. You know, he went through the first three, uh, the first three-peat with B.J. Armstrong and maybe a, uh, a Paxson. But you had a bigger starting lineup. Bulls were bigger. But nonetheless, but nonetheless, the point is that there is a decline. Jordan declined. You know, you know, it wasn't necessarily he was still Jordan, but he still declined. Kobe declined. Shaq declined. You know, there's going to be a decline once you get to your mid thirty. And at the end of the deal that Jimmy sent, uh, the Jimmy signed, Jimmy will be closer to decline than Tobias Harris. At the end of the at the end at the end of Tobias Harris's deal, there's going to be question with do you give Tobias Harris another deal? Do you keep you know, do you keep Tobias Harris or do you move him and move on? There's no way at the at the end of Jimmy's deal, you're probably looking to say goodbye to Jimmy. At the end of Jimmy's deal, you'd probably be hoping you could find somebody to take it off your hands. Yeah. Because most people wouldn't be willing to. Mm-hmm. At if you get to a situation with Tobias Harris at the end of this current contract where it doesn't look like it makes sense to re-sign him, you you have a player in his prime who's moving. Mm-hmm. There'll be some team who's ready to win right then or thinks they can win right then that'll take him off your hands mm-hmm. and give you something back for him. Yep. And you'll honestly still probably be in a situation where you're a team that's able to win then as well. So in the end, yeah. So as as we get ready to pivot forward in this conversation, it brings us back to the fan aspect. You know, now that Jimmy is gone, and there are a lot of people who there are a lot of people who are rubbed the wrong way with the way this thing ended. I talked about being disappointed. I talk about feeling lied to. Shout out to my man Ron. Ron hit us up on Facebook. Said, "Hell yeah, Jimmy played us." Shout out to Jesse, who said, hey, Je- you know, straight up, Jimmy just didn't want to be in Philly. So it wouldn't be Philly. It wouldn't be the Philly fan base if I didn't ask this question. At some point in time, Miami has to come into Philly. As a fan, do you boo Jimmy? For what? For playing us. Oh, there, there are people but, who feel like but, Jimmy played us. There are people who feel like Jimmy lied to us. Do you boo Jimmy when he comes back to Philly with Miami? I don't like now. I said personally, I'm not mad at. Mm -hmm. I feel like Jim Jimmy was transparent about the city he wanted to go to from the time it became known that he wanted out of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So he had to take the long road. The long road there. It's the same as Kawhi when he decided he wanted to leave San Antonio. Mm -hmm. He gave a. He made it known the teams he wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. Philly and Toronto were teams that thought maybe we can win and we'll make a good run at it with these rentals in between and hopefully we'll convince them to stay. Mm-hmm. Philly got four bounces away and Toronto ended up going all the way, the two teams that took those gambles. So it worked for them. Mm-hmm. But they they were gambles. You knew what you were getting into. They were. They, and, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, go ahead. And both of and both of these guys, Butler and Kawhi, ended up being true to themselves and what they said they wanted. Mm-hmm. It's it's foolish of me sometimes to think if someone tells you who they are and what they want, to think that you're going to change them and get them to want to do something different. Why, why would we think that? Why would you assume that? Mm-hmm. You know, th- these are grown men with millions of dollars and are in a situation for the one time in their career where they can choose their destination. And they told you, they told us what it was. I'm not mad. Well, I, I guess for me, what would be the difference between the Philly situation with Butler and the Kawhi situation with Toronto is both, I mean, at some point in time, both of them said, Yes, these are the teams I want to go to. These are the situations I want to go to. And I also want to win. 
I think when you look at what the Clippers did in one acquiring Kawhi Leonard and what they did to surround Kawhi Leonard, I think although, yes, they won a championship. So on one hand, you're like, all right, Toronto won a championship, but Kawhi Leonard still went to the situation that he wanted to go. He, he gets everything that he wants. He gets the situation he wanted plus the opportunity to win. Jimmy Butler said, hey, this is the situation that I want and I want to win. So, yeah, on one hand, he just, all he did was go to the situation he said he wanted to go to in the first place. But, you know, good and well, Miami ain't going – Miami ain't winning nothing. And I Not think, this year. Mm -hmm. Now, if Pat Riley over the next few months mm -hmm. preparing for next offseason is able to clear up cap space, which I wouldn't put past Pat Riley. Mm -hmm. He is a guy who's able to attract free agency. It's possible they have a plan going forward the same way Kawhi Leonard requested that the Clippers acquire Paul George and Paul George requested the Thunder trade him to the Clippers. Mm -hmm. it, anything's possible in this, this NBA. So there may be something, not, I don't necessarily see it for this year, but going forward, that Miami has planned for the future. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that is. At this point, I don't see it. But I, they did get to, they did get Hassan Whiteside off the book. Mm -hmm. So Whiteside. So I mean, but that's just it. Whiteside's gone. Drogic is off the book too. Drogic, which is what Drogic is, is going. Makes me think that. They're going to be clearing free agent money to make a run at someone. But right now, it's over. just it's Miami. It, it's I'm sorry, Miami is Jimmy and four guys right now. You mm -hmm. want? I mean, yeah, tough year for them. In, yeah. In the end, yeah, you're going to take. I feel like Jimmy's good enough. Get them, you know, eight seed, seven seed. If they really over, you know, if some of those guys really, really overcompensate, really over, uh, you know, overperform. Overachieve, maybe a six seed. You know, maybe they're as good as Brooklyn was last year. You know, but it's, it's, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Shout out one more time. Shout out to Adio. Adio points out hey, everyone, Miami, New York is now positioning for 2021 when we're talking about Giannis. Because right now, the 2020 free agent class is weak. So, you know, I I would not put it past Pat Riley to really be thinking about the long game in this, you know, in this move. You got Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler said he wants to be on Miami. Jimmy Butler makes them okay. Jimmy Butler makes them okay in next year, just okay. Not a contender. Not necessarily garbage. Like, the, heat, the Heat's not going to be butt next year. They're not going to be, you know, but hey, whatever. Jimmy Butler's happy. He's in the situation that he wanted to be in. Ain't going to be a lot of winning. You know, Jimmy Butler's also somebody who kind of who, who kind of wears thin on guys who ain't ready to, to necessarily play. But the guys that he's going to be surrounded with probably aren't going to be in the long term, you know, the long term future. So he knows the guys that he's surrounded with aren't really long for the Miami world. So whatever, you know play with these guys, get them as good as they can be, and then hope that the Greek freak wants to spend the rest of his career on South Beach. If the Greek freak is going to be doing the decision in two years and taking his talents to Miami. I mean, that's all you can, that's all you can hope for. That's all you can hope for. But that's still, but we're still talking Sixers. Sixers made one more big move, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Let's pivot a little bit. Ben got his All money. Right. Ben Simmons got his money. A lot of people not got, official yet. Is it? No, it's not. It's not official yet. But Ben got his money. Wink, wink. You know, mm -hmm. we we know that's coming. Sixers are going to extend. Are going to? They're going to extend it. We know it. We know that deal is coming. People are back and forth on this issue. And the thing about it is, I feel like. We, we go back and forth over the importance of 
analytics and statistics and the eye test and what we see. You know, you can't rely heavily on either. You have to know when you can, when is the time to rely on what you see? And when is the time to say, hey, let's look at these numbers and see what we have. You have to be able to go back and forth. There has to be a balance. You know, when you look at the, the guys who sit here and look at the, the stat sheets all the time, and it seems like they're so busy looking at the stat sheets, they don't even look at the game. That's a problem. But sometimes you sit, you see people and they watch the game and they get so hung up in the emotion of the game. It's like, hey, you don't understand what's happening. You need to look at the, the big picture. So I think there, there, that brings us to this debate over Ben Simmons getting his money because there are so many people who are who are torn about this, who are bothered by this, who feel like, hey, the Sixers moved too soon. Hey, the Sixers might have made a mistake. And it's like, look, where did you think this was going to go? You have the player that you drafted number one overall. This was the number one pick in the draft three years ago. In his time, in, in his two years in the NBA, he was rookie of the year. How did he follow up that rookie of the year campaign? With an all-star bid. What has your team done while he's been on the floor? They've won 50-plus games both years. He gave you mm-hmm. seven, he gave you 17, 8, and 9. Mm-hmm. In what world, when you have a player who has done this and you look at the results that you have had as a team, do you not look to extend him? That's how the All NBA right. works. <laughs> John, you're very excited. Mm-hmm. And let me say this. Okay. By the by, the numbers, mm-hmm. it absolutely makes sense to mm-hmm. extend them. No, mm-hmm. it's a no-brainer. Yes. By the by looking at his potential and upside, it absolutely makes sense to extend them. Mm-hmm. No-brainer. Mm-hmm. Eyeball test. Looking at his actual game yes. on the court being incomplete. Yes. And knowing that you did not have to do it right now, mm-hmm. he was still actually under contract, and he, you did not have to do it right now. Mm-hmm. There is, you can't say it's no logic to the idea of let's wait. It didn't have to be done right now. And I think that is the argument people are making when they say something about the contract. It's not that they didn't want to keep him. Oh, I, I don't want this. I don't. People aren't saying I didn't want Vincent. People are saying we could have waited, keep him hungry, keep some pressure on him, mm-hmm. keep like so his mindset. This is a kid who's been pretty much the golden child his whole life. Yeah. And so the concern with him is he's kind of too cool. He's too cocky already. Now, I'm not saying that's true of him, mm-hmm. but that's the, con- that's the concern. Yeah. So the concern people are expressing now is I hope he doesn't get complacent mm. having already been paid. And I think that's the argument people are making when they mm. say we didn't have to do this contract right now. Uh, well, I, well, here's the thing. Because you are you are the smart one of the two of us, of, of our team, of the Jonesy and Brown team. You are the smart one, the smart one who has made a consistent, steadfast dedication to staying off Facebook. Oh, absolutely. Now, you, you, you are the one who made that decision. Me, I'm the dumb one who sits here every day. Week in and week out, day in and day out, arguing with somebody on Facebook on Ben Simmons, Sixers, whatever. Because, yes, I like the, the argument that you made about staying hungry. Like, I've heard that. But more than that, the argument that I have heard is, hey, you know, we've seen the best of Ben Simmons. If he doesn't have a jumper now, he'll never have a jumper. We knew he didn't have a jumper. 
Why are we? Why are we giving him? Why are we giving him this money? Because we know. Because we've seen the best that we can get. And quite frankly, here's the thing: they're a part of me who say. They're a part of me who say. Some of the same people who are saying Ben Simmons will never be good. Ben Simmons will never get a jumper. Ben Simmons, we've seen the best of Ben Simmons. Some of those are the same people who said, you know what? We'll never see Joel Embiid play. Joel Embiid is great. And, and, and I'm talking directly to my former co-host, my good friend, uh, my, my good friend, Triple V, Vince Villani. Now, Vince didn't make the same statement about Ben, but but. Vince was adamant in the fact that he thought that uh, he thought Joel Embiid was going to be the next Greg Oden and that we would never see him play in a Sixers uniform. He's like, this is a bust. He's been out two years. We're never going to see him. And then once we got him and then he missed that, he missed half of the next season, missed two and a half seasons. He comes back, shows a glimpse, then gets hurt again. He's like, yo, this dude is never, it's never going to work out. But I feel like that's, you know, and that's the sweeping indictment. That's that what we have. People are saying, hey, you know, we shouldn't have gotten Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons shouldn't have gotten paid because we know that he's never, never, never going to deliver, get a jump shot. He's never going to deliver a consistent jumper. And he, the player that he is now is the player that he will always be, despite the fact that he is 22 years old. That's what I'm hearing. Now, to the point that you made, I feel like I, I get that and I understand. I understand your point and what you made. The point that you made made perfect sense. Now, here's where, like, here's how I feel about that. Like, I understand and I and I share your concern and I share the concerns of people who feel like Ben getting his money then makes him complacent. But it speaks to a point that we made and that we talked about after that we talked about after the end of the season where here we are. Yes. You know what? Here we are. And Ben is the golden child. Ben has always been the golden child, the chosen one in every situation. He was that way coming out of high school. He was that way going into college. He was that way coming into the NBA. But for the first time in Ben Simmons' life and for the first time, really for the first time for Joel Embiid, they are ending the season with some heat on them. This is the first season, the first time that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid end a season with some heat, with some pressure. Last season, people were saying, hey, sky's the limit. I want to see where this season can go. But there are a lot of people who see how the Sixers, how the Sixers ended the season and saying, hey, you know what? This is, you know, you know what? This might fall on Joe, Joel. This might fall on Ben. There are people who kind of blame. I shouldn't even say kind of. There are people who blame Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid for the way this season ended. So yeah, you know what? There is there is some concern about paying Ben Simmons his money and him becoming complacent because he's always been the golden child. And then there's also some, for me, there's also that the thought process and the narrative that, you know what? Hey, Ben ain't the golden child right now. There's a, there are, a population there's a percentage of the Philadelphia fans who are looking at Joel, uh who are looking at Ben Simmons with a side eye I don't mind the question marks but but to me I feel like I personally feel like this was this was a no I feel like this was a no-brainer but at the worst this shouldn't surprise anybody no this, should, this shouldn't come as a surprise point, coming off his rookie deal being as young as he is it makes perfect sense to extend it. Mm-hmm. I I think the it was never a question for me of do you do it, but when you do it. Mm-hmm. Now for now for the people who you mentioned who might be making sweeping indictments against Ben and he can't, he never, it, he won't. It's way too early for that. Yeah. It's foolish of us to try to be, a, say, a 22, 21-, 22-year-old kid can't develop, especially when the one thing he's missing is a jump shot. And in my opinion, the one skill that's easiest to learn is shooting. Mm-hmm. You don't learn court vision. You don't learn 6'10", 
You don't learn a sense of where the ball's coming off and rebounding usually. You don't learn a quick first step. You can learn a jump shot. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you and I, I believe, are on the same page as far as Ben goes. Whereas, it's too, it there's very little reason right now to doubt that he can get better. You know, maybe we differ on will he get better in the sense that I feel like when we have talked, I've been I've been more confident enough to say, hey, he will get better. Whereas you've been more tempered like, hey, you know what? I'm not I'm not going to go that far, but I know that I think he can. Mm -hmm. I I absolutely know he can. Mm -hmm. But I just we have to see. Yeah, definitely. 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 But I just feel like we talk about, you know, we talk about sweeping indictments and we talk about giving Ben Simmons his money. And I feel like in this age of so in this social media driven world of sports commentary and sports debate, I feel like people want to rush to make these statements and these indictments. And I feel like. We gave Ben Simmons his money and people in this fan base, people in this city talk about Ben Simmons like he's Kwame Brown. You know, like 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 Ben, like Ben Simmons has been a rookie of the year and a all star. We've won 50 games both times in, in both of his seasons. And people talk about like, why are we giving him his money? People talk about Ben Simmons like he's a bust. And I'm like, how can you talk about Ben Simmons like he's a bust when we just had Nerlens Noel? How did Nerlens Noel's career here go? That's a bust. How did Joe, uh, Jaleel Okafor's tenure here go? That's a bust. Look at Michael Carter Williams. That's a bust. A guy that followed Michael, Michael, Michael Carter Williams, yes, he was rookie of the year. He was going that next season and is now barely in the league. He signed a one-year deal, a one-year deal to, to fight for playing time with Markel Fultz. That's a bust. Now, it's too early to say that Ben Simmons is a bust, but look what he's given you and look what this, where this team has gone in since he's been here. Why are, we, why are there fans talking about Ben Simmons like he's Anthony Bennett? that's the sweeping indictments those are the social media hot takes that make me angry that's what gets my goat Uh, and I hear you 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 know I'm always one to preach Mm -hmm. patience is rational is rational the same way I'm not jumping to he will turn into the best player of the league Mm -hmm. he's He's going to have a wet jump shot in two years. I'm not <laughs> jumping to that extreme. Mm-hmm. I'm. Not, it's foolish to jump to the extreme of he can't get any better. He's a 22-year-old kid with all the talent, all the physical ability. Mm-hmm. And if you actually watch him in his workouts or when he does take jump shots, his, his mechanics aren't bad. Mm-hmm. The, the couple flaws you do see in his mechanics are very fixable things. He's mm-hmm. not a guy you look at and say, yeah, his shot's broken. His issues are confident, yeah, which made, as a young player, yeah, you made happen. that point. You made that point before because you broke. Because the, there are people who instantly they look at Ben not being able to shoot. They compare him to Michael Carter Williams. You were the one who who's come on this on this show and said repeatedly, Michael Carter Williams' shot was broken. Ben Simmons' shot is fixable, but Michael Carter Williams was broken. You have made that point on this show before. I mean, anybody who actually understands how certain things work will mm-hmm. get that. Mm-hmm. It, it Michael Carter Williams, his mechanics, all of it, it didn't work. Ben Simmons, when you watch watch him, watch tape of him and shoot around and sh- practically, he makes shots at a pretty high clip. Mm-hmm. It, it, his elbow drifts a little wide sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, but that's a fixable issue. Fixable, definitely. And sometimes you'll sometimes you'll see his elbow a little low. Also fixable. 
it's not like he has a hitch in his shot or things of that nature where you really have to relearn all of your mechanics. So mm. I'm not super concerned about that long term, but it is something I have to see. Definitely, definitely, definitely. All right, real quick before we get out of here, you watched the Sixers' first summer league game. Now we I talk, did. Now we talked, we talked before, we have talked, and you know me, what gets my goat about sports debate we'll talk and where we are now in sports debate are the social media hot takes i miss the game so it's like and i feel like i struggle to find and struggle to figure out what is what happened last night because i'm hearing people's recollection of the game and people's tweets people's facebook posts on the game and there are people who are saying hey man shake milton was solid he did what he, you know, he, 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 it was a solid outing, wasn't the best, but hey, he did all right. And then there are other people saying, hey man, Shake Milton is trash. This dude is butt. There's no way that this guy can ever be the backup point guard. You watched the game. What did you think of Shake Milton? What did you think of the Sixers uh, in their summer league debut? All right. Well, first, I want to talk about Zaire Smith. Okay. He- I like what I'm seeing from him. He's a young kid. Not only did I see some improvement on his jump shot, I also saw improvement on his passing and court awareness. He looked like an NBA player out there. Mm-hmm. So that that was a good sign. Seibel, I saw some good things from defensively, especially. And Shake Milton, he actually did do some things well, but what you also saw was some turnovers because this is his first time having the ball in his hands full time. He's not a full-time natural point guard. This is a new thing for him. So there's a learning curve there, and that I think that's what people were seeing, is there's going to be a learning curve at the point guard position for Shake Milton. So there were turnover issues. Turnover issues, but... but but overall, mm-hmm. I think he played a fairly good game. Okay, so that's to be expected. I mean, in the end, we're still talking about the first summer league game of the season. With, and, yep, with young new teammates and mm-hmm. a lot, and, and some guys on the team who aren't going to be there mm-hmm. in the league. It's yeah, but turnover issues in game one is what you saw. Again, too early to say can't. Real quick, another shout-out to my man, Adio, who says, all you need to know about the Summer League is that the rest of the games are canceled because Zaire Smith broke all the rims in the city of Las Vegas. They're all broken, every single one of them. (laughs) In the end, I feel like, like I said, you know, people will put as much emphasis as they want to on the first Summer League game of the season. Keyword, first. Second keyword, summer Third word, third word, league. It's the third, first, excuse me, first summer league game of the season. So you know, I, I'm I'm down with being encouraged. I think there's more. I think unless a player just comes out and looks completely inept, there's very little. There, there's very few negatives that you can take from something like that. There might be concerns things that you're concerned about, but in the end, once again, it's summer league. And we're talking about, a pl- we're not talking about, like this is not us, like Pelicans fans, looking at Zion Williamson. You know, we're not looking at our, you know, our future cornerstone piece. This is a guy that could possibly be our backup point guard. This is, mm-hmm. a, this is a, you know, we're not talking about Shake Milton as if he's going to be the future of this team right now. You know, what he grows into is another story, a conversation to have way down the line. But right now, we're still talking about, you know, our backup. A guy who started last year in the G League, a guy we called up who showed a little bit of, who showed some things, showed some spunk, showed some game in the late stretches, but it was left off the playoff roster. So in this point, you know, it's 
hey, I- I'll take all the good. I don't put a lot of stock in the bad because it doesn't sound like he was completely inept, although there are some people saying that, yeah, that's exactly what he was. But in the end, hey, I'm down to watch another game. All right, Mike, it is now time. It, it is time to get out of here, man. We didn't talk oh, Sixers. Man. We didn't talk Sixers basketball for well over an hour, my friend. It's been fun. It has been fun. Now, just a reminder, for once shout out to everybody who checked us out on Facebook Live. Shout out to everyone who downloads the podcast. You can download this and a whole bunch of other stuff. If you go to soundcloud.com slash BITW Sports, you can also go to Apple Podcasts. I gotta get used to saying that because for years I've called it iTunes. Alright, iTunes is on its way out. Go to Apple Podcasts, search for the best in the world sports report, and you will find us and you can download me and my man Jonesy talking about a whole bunch of sports. You got an opinion on something that we say, hit me up. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at BITW Sports. One more time. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at BITW Sports. You guys have a great 4th of July weekend. Enjoy your time. When there's Sixers news, trust me, me and Mike going to jump on this mic. We're going to jump, you know, we'll jump on social media and we're going to talk about it. All right, Mike, you take care of yourself. You have a good weekend, all right? You too. All right, you guys, you have a great time. You have a great weekend, and we will see you next time. Peace, y'all. You feeling this podcast? Hear this and more. Go to SoundCloud.